All right, welcome everybody. This is going to be the last of our uh, uh, messages on um, the, the, I call them the grade eight. Some of you grew up calling them the Beatitudes. Um, you can call them whatever you need to, but uh, today we're going to uh, focus on um, blessed are those that are persecuted for the cause of justice. Or blessed are those that are persecuted for the cause of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven um let me just say a couple things let's summarize let's go back for the whole thing uh through the whole series on the 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 great eight now first of all um these blessing statements jesus says blessed are the poor in spirit blessed are the pure in heart and he goes on and on um these are things that in your at your first glance, you think it's the opposite. You know, nobody goes around saying, boy, it's so great to be poor. No one goes, it's so great to be um, persecuted. You know, it's, it's the opposite oftentimes of what people are thinking. And so it's important that you understand this because Jesus is giving these sayings, these quick sayings, and they, were, they would grab everyone's ear. What does he mean by that? And what he means by it is, You've, you've thought life was this way until you have certain experiences and then you can see life through a different lens. Now, just hold on to that for a minute. Um, a lot of times I do funerals for people and I'll tell them during the funeral, if you can just hold on to this, because some of the things I'm going to say, you aren't ready to receive or to process yet. In other words, you're your emotions are too high or you're, you're, you're not thinking clearly or whatever. But at some point in life, this is going to make sense to you. Let me put it to you this way. Who's ever, like, you, you got a certain age and all of a sudden that, that one thing that your dad used to always say started to make sense? Like, hmm, yeah, I get it. Okay. But it didn't for a long time. Listen. Not only did it not make sense, stay with me, it annoyed you. It, now did it not, so this is important because the things that Jesus is saying, you're going to want to brush off. You're going to want to say, that's ridiculous. There's no way that that makes any sense whatsoever. And that's precisely the reason that he said it. He said all kinds of these, these little sayings. We would have thought of him back in that day as a wisdom teacher. The first will be last. The last will be first. And everybody would go, what? But you have to wait you have to get some years, you have to get some miles, you have to have some experiences on you, and all of a sudden you, you start to get those things. And these sayings are, I would call, hidden happiness. Hidden happiness. The other translation for the word blessed is happy. Happy are the pure in heart. Happy are the persecuted. Happy are the poor in spirit. To be envied are... And so this different way of thinking is like trying to take you to another level. So some of it, you just have to get in your DNA, and then you'll have an aha moment at some point in your life, and you go, I got it. I got it. Not only do I have it, but I can celebrate it. So I'm going to go through them with you, since this is the last of the series. We're going to review them together. I think they'll put them up on the screen for you. Um, let's start. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Do we have that one? Oh, if you make me do them by memory, I'm going to be struggling. I might do. Okay, here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Blessed are the poor in 
Spirit. Well done. Next. Blessed are those who mourn. All right? Blessed are the meek. All right? And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. And blessed are the pure in heart. Last week we talked about blessed are the peacemakers. And blessed are those who are persecuted. All right. Because of righteousness. Now, the other thing that Matthew's doing in his gospel is he's setting Jesus up as the new Moses. And Jesus goes on in this to say, don't think I've come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. So it's, there's a sequence. You had the law, you had the prophets, and then you have Jesus. It's going somewhere. Uh, let's say it together. One, two, three. It's going somewhere. You ever been in the car thinking, are we actually going anywhere here? It's going somewhere. You have the law, you have the prophets, and then you have Jesus. It's going somewhere. This is so important to understand. Now the focus is different. And if, before I dive into today's specific one about the Beatitudes in general, or the great eight, um, if you accept these rather than avoid them, so think about it. Normally, you avoid persecution. Normally, right, you avoid all of these things that Jesus is talking about. But if you accept them, it has the possibility to bring peace into your life. Why? Look, everyone's going to be persecuted. Don't think, oh, like, what happened to me? Why, why are people disagreeing with me? Why are people upset at me? Why are people attacking me? Why are people criticizing me? If you've ever been criticized, on the count of three, raise your hand. All right. Now, if it felt good, raise your hand. So here's the thing that we all have in common. We've all been criticized. We've all been, uh, that, that would be a low level of persecution perhaps, but we've all been attacked or maligned in some way, and it didn't feel good to any of us. But the sooner you realize, ready? The sooner you realize that that is going to be a part of your life, the better. You don't go looking for it, you don't get, but you just accept it. And you accept that not everyone's going to agree with you. Not everyone's going to be nice to you. And it helps you move to a different level, and it frees you from the panic. Now, not only did it hurt when someone criticized you, but the reality is, to some of you, it kept you awake at night. It threw you into trouble. It threw you into a panic. And so it gives you the opportunity um, to live at peace. Let me just say this. Maybe we've gotten three inches deep into 100-foot waters on the Beatitudes. But if you'll hold on to them, you'll start to say them to yourself over and over and over again. I think over time, these eight statements can absolutely revolutionize your life. 
One commentator said it this way, I'm going to do this in one of my 2.0 classes. I don't have time to break the whole thing apart. But one commentator said this, the, the eight statements at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount are the summary of the Sermon on the Mount. And the rest of the sermon go to correlate each one of these statements. And then I never heard that before. When I went to look at it, I'm like, whoa, I think this guy's right. In other words, he's just going to start with this summary. So if you could just drive these things down deep into your DNA, perhaps it would do you a great service somewhere down the line. Now let's talk about being persecuted. Um, The next verse goes on to say, you know, blessed are those when people insult you and say all kinds of things against you because of me. Because they did the same thing to the prophets that were before you. All right? Now, most people here today, it's 2019. No one's really excited about being likened to a prophet. All right? Oh, I'm being treated like the prophets. But in that day, it would have been quite the badge of honor. Are you with me? So he says, if people insult you... If people persecute you, if people attack you, if people malign you, rejoice. You are in good company. You're in good company. Now, what were the prophets? So we can glean something for us today. Well, the prophets came along, and as people think today, they they predicted the future. This is not actually what the prophets did. The prophets spoke to the people and they were outside the establishment. So you would say, uh, the pastor gets up here and does his thing, and he's like the pastor, and he's got a position, and he's this. The president does this. The king does this. The prophet's the guy in the back going, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And everybody goes, what? Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. They didn't, are you with me? They didn't always dress like everyone else. Remember John the Baptist? If you know this story, right? Has, you know, eats locusts and wild honey. He just has like a little belt on, some let. And it's, it's, these guys don't fit in the establishment. First thing you need to know, the prophets, for the most part, there were a few that did, but they were sort of outside the establishment and they were always talking against the corruption in the establishment, the established state, the established religion, whatever it was, they were talking. And I mean, you know, that doesn't usually go well for people. Stay with me. If, if, if there's corruption in a system, a religious system, if there's corruption in a political system, the person that speaks against it is usually kind of brushed off. This guy's kind of loony. Hey, just kind of keep him aside. But the prophets were bringing about positive change. So in other words, prophets said things like this. Who cares about your ridiculous religious assemblies? Quoting Isaiah, paraphrasing. Who cares? God says, enough of the noise. You get the picture? The prophet's like, God's like covering his ears with all the obnoxious noise. Well, that's a little insulting for our religious gatherings. Are you with me? But here's why God's covering his ears. 
Because you're just getting there, getting your clapping and your singing and your whatever and your religious assembly on, but you've forgotten about the poor. Who cares how much you love God, how loud you can sing, if you've forgotten about the poor? Now, if you're running the show, you're like, "Ah, I don't listen to that guy. Are you with me? Everybody just keep singing. Right? Just stay in the band, stay in the stay in the stay in the system. But the prophets, because they spoke against it, oftentimes, not only were they persecuted, but they were what? You just don't go against the system. Now, let me start over. How many remember the playground? How many remember the days on the playground? Do kids play anymore at all? I don't even know what goes on in the world. But when I was young, you went to a playground, right? And the, the, greatest, the greatest hour of your life was called recess. And you went on the playground, and you played kickball, right? And if you weren't on the playground playing kickball, you were in the gym playing dodgeball. Thank you, sir. Right, Stay out of my sermon, sir. All right. Uh, you, 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 you played. Now, I want you to picture you go on the playground... And there's a bully, and he's pushing little kids around, kids that aren't as athletic, and we all experienced this, we all knew about it when we were kids. Anybody? One kid pushing around the other kids. And there's no uh, adult supervision at this time, and the bully is winning, and he's hurting these other kids, and, and you show up to the playground, and you say, this isn't right. This kid shouldn't be allowed to push these other kids around just because he's bigger. How many would agree with that? I want 100% or no. I want to know. You agree. You know, you shouldn't have a kid just because he's bigger pushing the other kids around. And all of us would agree that something's wrong with the way this playground is working currently. Are you with me? The prophet is the little kid, right, with the slide rule in his pocket that comes out and goes, hey, right, you, right, in other words, he's the one calling the injustice, calling it out, at the risk of his own, what, demise, yeah, knows, someone said, yeah, I'm going to call this, and I'm willing to, because it shouldn't be this way. Now, look, look, look. We all already voted. You can't unvote. We don't like that playground. Put it up again. I don't like that playground. The question is, who's going to change it? Who's going to change the playground? By the way, as an aside, much of what people have been taught Christianity is, is we're all going to leave the playground to uh, streets of paved playground. When the calling, listen carefully what I'm saying, when the calling of Jesus was fix the playground, heal the playground on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Let there be fairness on earth. When Jesus says those are persecuted for the cause of justice or righteousness, it's just simply saying it's the person that's saying, let there be fairness on the playground, right? Let all the kids play. 
Let everybody have a turn, right? Now, as unpopular as that is, sometimes not only is the bully, he gets to be in charge. When someone calls it, now he's losing his position. Some people are the like really, oh, this is important, important part of my message. There's the real obvious bully, almost the obnoxious one, and then they kind of start turning people against them anyway. Are you with me? Then there's the subtle bully who knows how to get everybody on his or her side to push other people out. Oh, those are harder to detect because they know how to win popular vote. Say, Chris, why are you talking so much about this playground? Because this was all about what Jesus was doing. When Jesus is crucified, we're leading up to that now. The season of Lent has begun. We're we're, we're focusing on that. The reason that Jesus died was quite simply this. He wouldn't go along with the system. He called things out. And every time Jesus did that, people were putting an eye on him. The temple leaders, the temple authority, uh, the religious people, not only in his day, but the Romans. And everybody started to converge against him because he was saying something that needed to be said. Sometimes when you're the person willing to do that, people turn on you. Let me throw this at you. Instead of calling them prophets, what if we call them cultural revolutionaries or world leaders? And I throw out some modern day names to you like Desmond Tutu. Hmm? What if I, a few weeks ago, we, we talked about Martin Luther King Jr. Here's a guy that's going to call something, and I'm going to call, I'm, I'm willing to die for this. Um, if you know the story of Muhammad Ali, I'm, I'm not going to fight in that war. That's a stupid war. I'm not going to fight in it. And they said, well, I'm sorry, you are going to fight. He goes, actually, no, I'm not. And they said, yes, you are part of your, he goes, can you imagine reigning heavyweight champion of the world? Put me in jail then. If that's what you need to do, all of a sudden, now look, this is what's so important. At the time, people struggle with these leaders, prophets, leaders, revolutionaries. People struggle with them. They're not sure. Some people get on board. Some people don't. Later on, this is what's, this is what's important. Later on, you look back at these people and you go, wow, the courage, the guts that these guys had to say something that so badly needed to be said. We always, this is important, we always, now we look back and we want to wish we were with them. Everybody look here. Who here would say, I would have been with Jesus 100% when he was here. I would have been with him. Really? Are you sure you would have? Here's a guy that's going against the system. Here's a guy that's against the establishment. He's, he's calling out his own religion. He's calling out his own people. He's changing. The, he's disrupting the way everything is. And so easily we want to go, oh, I would have been there. I would have been right next to him. 
I mean, just read the Gospels. Here are the guys that were right next to him all the time. They're bailing out left and right. Where's Peter? Oh, well, he's, they're gone. They're always gone. Why? Because when you do this, when you're the person that has the courage to say and to do certain things that don't fit in the box, that don't fit in the system, people get uncomfortable. They're afraid of losing what they have, and they end up attacking you, persecuting you. It's why Jesus died. They killed him. I would like to believe I would have been sitting right there next to Jesus, never turning my back on him. But how arrogant would that be? When you read in the Gospels of all the guys that were with him for day after day, night after night, throughout a period of his life, and then at the end, they all fled, it says. Let's just be honest. We probably wouldn't have. That's okay. But we can look back. Like we look back at these great leaders that we were unsure of. But they had a clear vision. Think about it. Blessed are those that are persecuted for the cause of righteousness. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been misunderstood? One of the toughest things is people misunderstand you. They just misunderstood Jesus. They misunderstood what he was about. And when people misunderstand you... They can easily attack you. The early Christians were often misunderstood. People didn't understand what they were doing, what what it was all about. The prophets, the great leaders, the great revolutionaries, they've always been misunderstood. And really what it comes down to is really this. You have to decide, do I have the courage to be persecuted for something that I believe in so much? Will I stand there and take it? Now think about it. Maybe this kid who comes to the playground... Maybe Jesus was a good athlete himself. Maybe he always got picked on the first team. Maybe he was actually a good kickball player. But he saw what was happening to the other kids that he could have easily just assimilated. Listen, this one carefully. It's easy to assimilate when you're good enough to go with the system, if the system is good enough for you. But it's hard to speak against it. And at the end, Jesus comes and he's arrested and he goes before a trial and he has every chance, every chance to bail out, to take a left or to take a right, and he doesn't, he refuses. Do you remember Dr. King's speech? Not the one in the mall, but the other one in the church where he says, I've seen the promised land, I've seen it, right? And he is forewarning. He knows he's probably not going to get there himself. But he's okay with that. 
Let me say one thing about fairness or justice, often called in the scriptures righteousness. Usually, we don't worry about systems that are unfair until they affect us. Listen carefully. Until it affects me or my family, I don't know about all the unfair things that go on in the world. Do you? When do you care or when, when are you alerted to an unfair system? When your kid goes to school and they, get, they go to that playground or they go to that math room or they go to whatever it is and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. This isn't, this isn't fair. The vision that Jesus had, listen carefully, elevated every human being to equal status. And some people just weren't ready for that. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish or Gentile. Today in American vernacular, we'd say black or white, you know, or Catholic or Protestant. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter if you're slave or free, rich or poor. It doesn't, these kinds of things aren't what matter. What matters is that every human being is made in the image of God. And no one person should be persecuted. So let me say this. Are you willing to ask yourself, do I ever partner in persecution? We all agreed that we shouldn't have the unfair playground. Especially if it's your little daughter out there getting picked on or your son. But we also have to ask ourselves, are we ever a part of the system? Are we ever the persecutors? Do we ever take part in it? How would I ever get to the point, though, where I felt this was a blessing? And that's how I want to close. Jesus said, blessed are those that are persecuted. Somehow, it gets down in your DNA, and you don't care anymore. You want what is good for everyone. You want what is fair for everyone. You see with eyes, and you see every human being with love and grace, and you honestly just see that for everybody. You don't look at people and see some kind of label. Well, this person is this. This person is... You just see another human being and you have this intense love for them and it gets down in your DNA and then you just feel like, you know what, I just want the same for everyone. I'm coming off of my own fresh reality, as you know, to have a little baby. It's not hard to love that little baby, no matter what she does to me, poke me, kick me, right? It's just there. It doesn't stop. It doesn't change. There's zero difference between when she's kicking me and when she's smiling at me. I kind of like it when she smiles at me, but the love doesn't change. The love for humanity, this is so important. It, it, it gets deep inside you, and you care about every human being, and what you want is for everybody to have the same. But Chris, what about people when they attack you what about when people are just mean to you? One level can be very hard. But you can, as the scripture talks about, you can renew your mind. So listen carefully. I'll just say this to close. Your mind, your mind 
think of it this way. It's like a sponge. If I take a sponge here and I soak it in a bunch of vinegar, what's it going to do? It's just going to sop it up. When I squeeze the sponge, should I be surprised that there's vinegar coming out? No. Take a sponge over here and I soak it, right, in water. It's going to soap. It's just going to sop it all in. When I squeeze it, the exact same thing. What your mind is a sponge. You're going to soak it in. This person said this about me. This person criticized me. This person came after me. Keep saying it to yourself. What's going to happen? Soaking it in. You're just soaking it in. What's going to come out? That. Right? Your mind is a sponge. And so you have to decide. Jesus told the disciples, I want you to go to the towns and villages and you go there, and if people reject the message, they reject you, the great statement. He says, shake the dust off your feet. Shake it off. You got to shake it off. You go to that town, shake it off. You don't carry this crud with you. Listen. You go to a place, people insult you. People malign you. You don't keep rehearsing it. That's the sponge. Oh, they said this. Oh, they said this. Oh, you just shake it off. You just shake it off. I got to go to the next thing. Why? Otherwise, you carry it around with you. You leave the dust on your feet. I want to carry this crud with me everywhere that I go. Yesterday, I, went, I was out in the mud and my boots. You know, have done this before? And, and I went to, uh, I was going to a friend's house last night for dinner and they were just caked. Are you with me? Just caked in mud. So I get out of the car and I'm out in the snow trying to get all the mud off of my boots before I go to their house. And here's the thing. You are going to let it cake on you. Someone said this to me. Someone said this about me. So make it stick. So you have the chance. Make it stick or what? Shake it off. You're in good company. You're in good company. Now, don't get persecuted because you're being difficult for the sake of being difficult. Are you with me? Some people are like, oh, I always get persecuted. And the reality is, you're just a difficult person. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. It's when you are, you're trying to do good. You're, you're, you're trying for the right thing. And people come, just, it's a part of of how it's always worked, is what Jesus was saying. They did that to the prophets. They did, you just, you're in good company. It's okay. Don't have to be a big martyr, a big public thing, a big Facebook announcement. You just shake it off. On the count of three, you're going to say, shake it off. One, two, three. Shake it off. Just shake it off. Right? I go to this place. They rejected me. Shake it off. Just shake it off. Otherwise... It'll stay caked on. It'll get thicker and heavier to the point it'll start to affect you. Blessed are those that are persecuted in the cause of justice. You know what? It's possible to be happy even when people are attacking you. And let me say this further. If you decide I'm only going to be happy when people aren't attacking me or aren't insulting me, you've just assigned yourself part-time happiness in life. 
You just assigned yourself, I'm going to be, I'm going to be part-time happy. Or you got to say, you know what? I, I can't choose when people attack me. Try to be good to everybody. Are you with me? Try to be good to everybody. Blessed, happy, fulfilled, to be envied, right? Are those that are persecuted, insulted for the cause of righteousness. Find a cause. Everybody look here. I'm going to close this series. Find a cause. Find a cause that gets you up in the morning. Find a cause that you care about. Find a cause that you're passionate about. A cause that's for good. Listen to me. Why? Because people that have a cause, they can't be shaken. It's the people that don't have a cause. Cause is the reason you get up. Because. For the cause of righteousness. Do you have a cause? Or is it, well, my cause is me. <laughs> well, okay, that's a starter when you're, when you're 12. Are you with me? How many, how many are with me? That, that's a good starter when you're 12. But you've got to have a cause. You've you got to have something that beats deep inside of you. Jesus called it the kingdom. The new playground. The renewed playground. And if you have a cause, there is nothing and no one and no words that can shake you from that cause. You know what I found out? We don't have enough people living with a cause. They're just living. And it makes all the difference.